I'm Matthew Hardy, and you? I'm Lawrence Mooney, and I'm eating a Mistin or the natural hard sweet. I expected it to be softer than this. The flavour is raspberry and banana. It's like a citrus columbine, isn't it, if you remember mm. them? All right, so back to the book. Simon, my brother, and I were obsessives in that we were unable to walk away. We wanted to do so on many occasions. We often swore we'd do something else the following Saturday, more as a protest at persistent poor performances than because any better option had arisen. Then, during the week, we discovered that Bruce Duperusel was returning from injury. Super duper. Or that Gary Hodges had served his suspension, and there we'd be again, standing behind the goals, witnessing yet another walkover. We rarely enjoyed ourselves, even when we won. This is because we cared so much that watching any match was murder, even if we were five goals in front with five minutes <laughs> remaining. I know the feeling. Yeah? Where you, you just go... We're going to lose. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. So you can't enjoy the victory. It hurts. Every football supporter goes through the exact same agony. And how naive I am to continue be, to be tricked the same way. And when Richmond's up and look like they're going to win, I can see my wife gnashing her teeth and <laughs> wringing her hands and I go, relax. She's a Richmond supporter. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy the victory. Yeah. She goes, oh, thanks. Now, at the end of the last year in the grand final, um, Brad Scott, coach of Geelong, actually went into the box to magnanimously say, it's over. You've right. got this, enjoy it. To, to the dip, opposition coach's box. To, to, to Dimmer. Richmond coach. Damien Hardwick. Yep. If the opposition coach had to come into my box <laughs> before <laughs> the final forum, I would have said, fuck off, yeah. back to your own box. Yeah, right. You and your team are losers. Don't be <laughs> fakely magnanimous now, but I have a soft spot for security. You know why? Because we're losers. We're no threat. Hmm. Where you, feel, you feel like a benefactor toward them in no. some, some way. That's not it. It's my father chose them. Ah. He arrived here in 1958. Hang on. So why didn't your dad make you back for St Kilda? Oh, well. Was that a, your rebellion against that him? That has become a family sticking point. It's a sticking point with me. Well, my eldest brother barracked for St Kilda. Yeah. And we would have been a St Kilda family had my middle brother not decided to break ranks and go for Richmond. Right. And... In what a, was his reason? Like, did he meet a player once who was nice to him? Royce, he saw a picture of Royce Hart and fell in love with Royce Hart. Yeah, well, that happened to me with Trevor Barker. But in a Christmas blow-up, the big famous blow-up of 2019, uh, I'd moved to Sydney and Steve was having a, a bit of a go at my family loyalty. Right. And I said, oh, family loyalty, tradition. You know what? If you barracked for St Kilda, we'd be a St Kilda family. But I oh, know you had to break your father's heart and go for Richmond. <laughs> and he this was, is this a real argument? This is a real Brilliant. argument. Yeah. It what had you been into, drinking? Had you been drinking scotch? It's descended into shut up, you fat fuck, and those kind of <laughs> brotherly insults. Yeah. Why don't you shut up, baldy, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, very it's, close to fisticuffs. I was going to say, did someone snot somebody? Well, it was, it was close and there was two large uh, nephews standing between us. Right. Um, What's but, going on with nephews these days? What are they feeding them? Everyone's nephew is seven foot tall. Every, every kid's seven foot What's tall. What's going on? Every parent... <laughs> Is, is dwarfed by their kids. We, we were a little bit taller than our parents, but now it's There's just some sort like of super evolution. They're evolving really quickly. Yeah, for what though? For what, what do they do? Yeah, but like they're going to go back to having fins or they, something. They're seven foot tall, so it's, they can spend more time on social media. No, know. you know why? Because because <laughs> no, because the ocean is rising and they have their head above oh. the fucking water. 
that's nice, yeah. Thanks. So right. they've got to get to the high, high ground. Yeah. And they've been knee-deep in water yeah. for eternity. They're and, being prepared for it. Until finally the sun flames out in 66 billion years. You're listening to Saturday Afternoon Fever <laughs> with Matthew Hardy. <laughs> and Lawrence Mooney. Bringing your mood higher than it would have been otherwise. I said that like a commentator. You're with Matthew Hardy and Lawrence Mooney. <laughs> and I tell you what, it is perfect conditions for a book reading and a podcast here today, Matthew. The table is nice. We've got water. There's lollies. So... Uh, uh, let's sound the siren and start chapter six. <laughs> <laughs> and this chapter is titled The First Time. Call me Trevor. That's what he said. Oh, word for word. Trevor. Not Eddie or Adam or Ishmael, but Trevor, as in Trevor Barker. I was sitting alongside him in the empty grandstand at Moorabbin during an unannounced preseason intra club practice match. For footballers, the intra club practice match is the equivalent of a fire drill. For spectators, it's the most boring event they will ever witness. But still, a few supporters were scattered around the ground knowing that at least CS and killed a victory. <laughs> get it? They were playing themselves. No, but, yeah, I do get it. <laughs> but you say the intercup practice match is like a fire drill. For some players, oh yeah, it is not like a fire drill right. because they've got something to prove and there's somebody that's taking their position in the team and they want to iron that person out. And sometimes in the intra-club, there's a weird injury out of the blue. Wow. And all of a sudden it's like he's going to miss eight weeks. Sometimes that injury has been exacerbated or caused by that player's direct challenger for the position in the team. Back to the book. I had no idea about etiquette and Barker didn't seem to mind, so I continued firing off questions using his surname like we did with kids at school. Barker, do you reckon we'll make the final? (laughs) I remember it now. That's great. I remember it now. And do you know what? My uh, mum came to a, a parent-teacher night where the kids had to get up and perform to the, the parents yep. uh, assembled there and uh, there was a pommy kid in our class and he goes, Oi, Mooney, you're on. And uh, The pommy kid said? Yeah. Yep. Mum goes, oh, he's English. And I said, yeah, you can tell by his accent. She said, no, because he calls you by your surname. It's a very English thing to do. Is it? Yeah, and it is in a way it's a classless thing to do. Because uh, everyone, as opposed to your first name, well, yeah, because your first name might be, you know, Rupert. I know your second name might be Blithington Smythe. <laughs> I was going to say Farquhar. But, yeah, Farquhar Jones. Yeah, but everyone is, you know, Oi Jones or Windsor yeah, or okay. whatever. It's because your parents are English. Well, my dad is. Yeah, yeah. So I reckon it's an English thing. So we've, yeah, but, we've, we've touched but on. But hang this on, before. there was lots of other kids of all sorts of eth- ethnic descent at primary school, and everyone called each other by their surnames. Don't piss in the face of my theory, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll piss on the shoes of your theory. All right, not in the all face. All right, it was not just the a thing from the seventies. Thank you, Barker. Do you reckon we'll make the finals this year? I pestered Barker. Are you going to go for the Brownlow? <laughs> go for the Brownlow. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a goal they set out to achieve. In fact, now it's probably incentivized into some contracts, isn't it? Clubs hoping they don't win the Brownlow or the best and fairest because they've got to pay them another big chunk. It's like you don't want an individual standing out above the rest in today's homogenized bullshit game. Of course, whereas that was the opposite of what we sought as kids. Yeah, we wanted to see a hero and kids know that there's a hero in the yeah. in their team dominant and in their male. club, a dominant male or female. Yeah. You know, there's probably AFLW players listening to this podcast because they're into Saturday afternoon fever. Of course they are. And they'll be but thinking... I'd like to point out there was no female footballers to admire. Well, there were female footballers, just not as predominant, not AFL-sanctioned as it is now. Back because then. they didn't have a pathway, Matthew. <laughs> they may well have been. There were two female footballers yeah. and the under-10Bs at Bayswater, and I was deeply intimidated by Chris Dettering's sister 
and Justin O'Donnell's sister. Right. They're not worthy of being given their own names, Lawrence? Well, okay, I think it was... They're more than somebody's sister. They're women in their own right. I think it was Sally and Christine, actually. I think right. Chris Dettering's sister was Chris Dettering as well, so confusing. That would have been, to me, the hottest possible girl. No, but I was not very good, and the idea of being benched and a girl taking my position... Oh. Stuck fear into my tiny testicles. I don't mean now, I mean then. <laughs> well, you know, you know, you know, there's the phrase, see, a lot of stuff doesn't totally transfer from male football to female football. Like, for example, the phrase loose men everywhere. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> loose women everywhere. He's got a whole different possible connotation. Let's move on. Yeah. Back to the book. Are you gonna go for the Brownlow? I said. Call me Trevor, he said in response. First name basis, I thought. Brilliant. Trevor, is it true that you almost signed with Collingwood last season? On and on I went. He kept answering, which only encouraged me. It must have been a nightmare, not just me and not just here, but everybody everywhere. Trevor Barker became even more of an obsession for me than the St Kilda Football Club itself. My idolisation emerged because I wanted to be him. Professionally and personally, Barker inspired fantasy. He made us feel good. A man who makes men want to follow in his footsteps and women want to fool around with him. The directing of my total attention towards Trevor was not at all embarrassing at the time, although in hindsight... I feel foolish at the least. Oh, I can see the little eager kid you were and how annoying. But I couldn't the, believe it. I that's still the can't. beauty of the man that he entertained you. I could not believe that he was an accessible human. Yes. I thought he only existed, like when you see a teacher in the supermarket and you go, what? I thought you only existed within the realms of our classroom. Yeah, yeah, that's this, a very good analogy. messing with my mind. But to see Trevor Barker sitting next to me on a seat, a wooden bench in the grandstand, Next to me. It's like when you go to the school fair and your Latin teacher is friendly to you and warm. <laughs> Comes up and says, hi, Lawrence, how are you doing? It's like, you want? Yeah. Who are you? What have you done with Father Barry? <laughs> and why do you smell of altar wine? You're on it, aren't you? <laughs> you smash it on the weekends and you what get about, all fruity and friendly. What about when the teachers try and be too cool at the school fair and they sit in the dunking booth <laughs> and you throw a wet sponge at the target? Uh, the target is their face (laughs) and they go into the water and it's like oh aren't I fun it's like no you've got a snot hanging out your nose (laughs) (laughs) sorry Mrs. Duraji you're not cool Mrs. Duraji Mrs. Duraji she's a real person she was our Indonesian teacher she hated me Indonesian what school taught Indonesian Uh, Whitefriars College in Donvale And, and Park Orchard. Is, yeah. is that not an obscure language? Like I, Spanish, perhaps, because it's one of the most spoken languages on the planet, but Indonesian? Well, the Carmelites had a mission mission in Indonesia, and so the fathers and brothers would go over there and they brought Indonesian culture back. Plus, they said it's our closest neighbour, most populous Muslim nation on earth, and I studied Indonesian for four years. Tarima Kasi, Park. <laughs> well, I'm glad you've brought, brought... Thank you, sir. Oh, is it really? <laughs> yes. Can you say get fucked? I it would probably be pigeon and be fuck fuck or something like that. I don't know what get fucked is in Indonesian, but well, gee, maybe the first thanks thing. for enriching the relationship between <laughs> us and Jakarta. I, didn't, I wasn't telling Indonesia to get fucked. I was saying that surely that's the first thing as a kid you want to know how to say. The first conversation that we're actually taught. Or, or fart. In or, retrospect, used to just, it now amuses me. We were taught how to. Uh, haggle because we're going on this trip to Indonesia oh, and to the barter. Indonesians, not barter, that's exchanging goods for goods, to haggle. That's uh, bringing a price down. Now. It's not bartering, correct. Yeah. So basically that's the first conversation we're taught. Eventually you go, I'm walking away, jalan, jalan, and then they go, no, 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 okay, 
2,000 rupiah. Sorry, not 9,000, 2,000. So you buy them, you have oh, that whole out. pantomime about. Yeah, what yeah. About, yeah, but I so always the fuck it up. That, the thing that amazes me is where white middle class private schoolboys sitting in a classroom learning how to That's drive somebody <laughs> in the developing word into the dirt <laughs> for their chicken. That's what the old school tie was invented for. <laughs> so you go over there, you get- you're just waiting for a chicken. Oh, here we go, up to the chicken market. Ah, uh, Ah, talalo mahal. And they're like, mate, we had this with last year's year 10s. So <laughs> have the fucking chicken. You're probably wearing a uniform as well at the time, were you? <laughs> Sweltering. <laughs> That's right. Blazer done up to the top. <laughs> you're, like you're, the Raj you're in ac- India. Your acne cream dripping down into your mouth. I say, Brother Leo, <laughs> can I strike this Indonesian for his impudence? <laughs> what a boorish chap. Ah, T-Duck, sir. <laughs> I always fuck up the haggling if I go to, say, Bali. Because you right? think it's bartering. No, so you I... go with two coconuts. <laughs> Sorry, mate. That's not American dollars. No, I just pay you the first price they ask because it's still about three cents compared to the 30 bucks I'd pay for it back here. To try and to try and haggle down to one cent, I believe is churlish. <laughs> Absolutely it is. I think, yeah. Even if it's going to fast track me to the MCC membership that I've been waiting already 15 years for. I think the opening price on a pair of rip-off Ray-Bans once in uh, Denpasar was th- two bucks Australian. Yeah. And You're I was going down to down 25 cents. It's yeah. like, <laughs> and still uh, you walk away and say, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> They would say, you know, the Indonesians will see that you're Australian and always inflate the price. So it was, I am inimutable, Barapahaganya, which is this chicken, madam, how much is it? And then she <laughs> says the say price. Again. I am inimutable, Barapahaganya. Who's he play for? <laughs> oh, I had forgotten all about it. That is the joy of it. Barker was a man who made men want to follow in his footsteps and women want to fool around with him. That's what I thought at the time. The directing of my total attention towards Trevor was not at all embarrassing, although in hindsight I do feel foolish. When he broke a bone, I would send a get well card to the club. Oh, wow. Upon selection for the state side, I'd convey my congratulations. Any excuse for communication was exploited. Dear Trevor. Hope your exploratory knee surgery went well. (laughs) (laughs) Looking forward to seeing you playing for the Saints again soon. Best wishes, Matthew Hardy. My correspondence always received a handwritten reply, which only made things worse. (laughs) Like Kathy Bates, the character in the movie Misery, who claimed to be her hero's number one fan, my pursuit was almost pathological. Mum secretly arranged for Barker to phone me on my 13th birthday (gasps) to wish me all the best. I can't imagine how she arranged it, but he agreed to the idea. I was in my room when mum called me to the phone. This is back when you had those phones. There's one in the whole house. What if? The curly-whirly cord. Yeah, the curly-whirly cord. Between the handpiece and the body of it. I know that this is something you don't want to entertain, but maybe that day in the stands when you're saying, Barker, 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 maybe he fell in love with you. Maybe there was that a genuine love of you. You're not unlovable. Thank you. Wow, how did we reach that? Is this a different... Discussion, or I should have had later and then invo- invoice somebody for. No, so mum no, called me to the phone. You're worthy of love, and thank, you're worthy of a. <laughs> thank of you, a, Lawrence. Sometimes you know there's that that uh, relationship between a man and a 13 year old boy, which is completely above board. But it's a mentoring thing where the man sees something in the boy 
that uh, he sees in himself. It's like Greek and he mythology. wants to nurture it. It's Greek yes, mythology. It's Greek mythology. In the Melbourne suburbs. In, in Greek mythology, though, they yeah, did exactly. fuck a lot of boys. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot going on. Good. So I'm saying a little bit beyond Greek mythology. Let's call it St Kilda mythology. Great. Mum called me to the phone, back to the book. Oh, unbelievable. When he announced his name, I refused to believe it was true. I suspected one of my big brother's mates <laughs> and I began the guessing game, running through all the names I knew. Is this Brett Yensema? <laughs> Is this Paul Bentick? Who does he play for? <laughs> I ran through all the names I knew amongst my big brother's mates. Finally, the voice assured me quite firmly that it was truly Trevor Barker. And as I realised what was happening, I couldn't breathe. This is easily the most exciting moment of my entire life. What did he say? No idea. I cared only that it was Barker who said it. You just had static in your ears. Well, mum, exact mum, yeah. Mum has since told me that she just rang up the club and there was a lovely lady called uh, Sheena Ferguson who was a stalwart at St Kilda at the time, an administrator. Sheena. Sheena Ferguson of Scottish descent, the strong other, accent. Because the other Sheena I know is... My baby takes the morning train. She works from nine to five and then he takes another home again to find me waiting for him. He takes me to a restaurant, to a restaurant, slow dancing, anything I want. I think she, I know what she wants. Should I, I've got a stiffy now, but... (laughs) (laughs) Sheena Easton. Yeah, Sheena Easton. I think Sheena Easton may have been given a number one, when I say given a number one, by, by Prince. <laughs> That's not a euphemism. <laughs> that is. <laughs> well, I'm glad he didn't give her a number two. <laughs> no, I believe I believe Prince had a barter system occurring. Really? Yep. For the Bengals, he wrote Just Another Manic Monday. He wrote What If God Was One of Us for Joan Osborne. What wow. if God I was know it's one he wrote, of us? Love Thy Will Be Done for, um, what was her name? Love Thy Will Be Done. I can no longer hide. I can no longer run. <laughs> Sister. Can, will you be my guiding light? What was her name? I anyway, don't know. She also sung Toy Soldier. Oh, not Alison Moy, eh? No, no. I can't remember her name. But anyway, Martika. Oh, Martika. Yeah. Well done. Good he, pull out. He wrote a lot of number ones. For a lot of oh, and Sinead O'Connor, of course, nothing compares to you. For a lot of oh, you're very joking. attractive, talented young ladies, yeah. Sinead and, O'Connor, I met Sinead O'Connor when I was doing the Denise show. Yeah, and what an intense, sexy, and beautiful woman she was. We she had was, a lovely conversation. I, I met her, and I've got it on film. And it was at the Como in South Yarra in Melbourne, and they were just traipsing. I saw her before you. They were traipsing journo's uh, <laughs> uh, and/or hosts of TV and radio shows in and out. Of the hotel room. It would have been the same tour. Probably, yeah. Because you were doing the shebang. Probably, yeah. Yeah, the schmooze. Yeah. Oh, the The big schmooze. That's all right. Doesn't matter. You say potato. Um, No one says potato, though. No one. I didn't mention potatoes in front of Sinead O'Connor because she's from (laughs) Ireland. And she said that the the famine, of course, is just British bullshit. They starved them to death. Yeah, she tore up a picture of of the Pope Mm. on MTV. Anyway, but she... She what a unit. invited me to a party in the hotel room a couple of nights later. She invited me at the time when we were doing the TV interview. She, said, she invited me to the same party. She said, we've got too much gunja to go through. We need a, we need a hand, right? She signed she said, my, my album. Yeah. She was out promoting that new album. She signed Sinead and the I had a teardrop rather than a dot at the top. That means she's killed someone in prison. No, it means <laughs> I've... 
It's you make tearing me weep. apart that I have to leave you after this 10-minute meeting. <laughs> That's what I thought it right. meant. <laughs> Which it meant she invited me to the same party. Right. Well, so I was I was seeing I was she was an international celebrity and I was seeing a local celebrity at the time mm-hmm. and we just had some argument and I agreed to do a makeup dinner with the lady I was seeing at the time on the Friday night and so I'd already got in trouble with my then girlfriend and in order to make up for the trouble I'd caused we were going to go to dinner on Friday and it's the same night that Sinead O'Connor said come to the party to help them get through the gunja they well, I, I had to get home of- too because I had a new child who is now 21 uh she'd just been born it was uh, early 2000. Well, what better reason? And I had to be at home. Yep. Uh, and there was no going to the party at the Como to smoke ganja with my shaved-headed new Irish lover she must in have my wa- mind. She must have wondered what, what was wrong with these guys. She invited two of them to a hotel room. <laughs> Can't I make it any more clear? I'm putting teardrops on your album cover <laughs> saying, come to my hotel room and smoke weed. It's like, sorry. We've got other things to do. Yeah, we got to, we're got we committed to our women, Sinead, so maybe you shouldn't toy with people's emotions <laughs> and just back away from their relationships, yeah. all right? Lay off already. That's what I've got to say to you, Sinead. Enough. Yep. Stop calling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if she's listening, that we, those, those, those ideals still stand. Those ideals still yeah. stand. But any other woman listening will go, wow, isn't it instructive how a man's imagination works <laughs> in order to make him feel good about himself? She's probably, she's, she's probably laughing five minutes later going, you know how we're leaving on Thursday night? I told him to come back on Friday because we've got too much gunja. We can't yeah. get through it all. As if that was true. Oh, I don't know. That would have already left. Just a final word on Prince. If, you're only, <laughs> if you only know Prince through Purple Rain and Raspberry Beret, Go on to YouTube. You mean he's got more than those two songs? And all the rest of them. What is this witchcraft? If you want to see an absolute guitar hero, go and Google Prince playing at George Harrison's tribute and you see George Harrison's son lose his mind watching Prince play, plus Eric Clapton, plus a whole lot of other. Tom Petty. almost sets fire to that guitar. He's amazing. He's amazing. Jeff Lynne from ELO. Yeah, they're all there. And then when he's finished, he just contemptuously chucks the guitar away into the crowd, spins on his heel and he's off. He doesn't even he, – he, he arrives after the rest of the legends and leaves before them. Yeah, I can tell you why because he has got a fentanyl habit that is barking <laughs> at his door and he needs to get back to the hotel room. Yeah. Okay, that'll do us, Lawrence Mooney, for today. I am having a ball, so uh, please join us on the next episode and tell your friends. Bring some friends along. Thanks for joining us. Okay, if you haven't given us a rate and review, now's the time. We're counting on you.